1: Second hour of Light the Tower, here on the Horn. Craig Wade, Jeff Howe with you. Happy Jack Farrell, our producer, alongside as well. We're with you up until the noon hour. Uh, Chad and Zay come along after that from noon to 3. Then, Ball Don't Lie, Rod Babers, Mike cards they come your way at 3 o'clock at 545. We bring you uh, pregame start time for Texas and Texas State from Bobcat Ballpark in San Marcos. And... Uh, Bobcat Ballpark in, in San Marcos, and uh, not only that, uh, the first pitch at 6 o'clock. Uh, clean-up from hour number one. Uh, Clean uh, up, clean-up. Clean-up there. On.
2: A, we have a clean-up song in our house for Charlotte. some we, we started when she was younger. You know there was a continue.
1: cleanup song like that from
0: Barney the Dinosaur.
2: You remember not You
1: kind
0: of.
1: I can sing it like right that. now if we
0: need. Go, go for it. Jack. Do it. Do it, Jack. Clean up, clean up, everybody, everywhere. Clean up, clean up, everybody. Do your. Show. I didn't know that was a Barney song. Yeah, that's the
2: same. That's the one we use in our house. Well,
0: you, right.
1: you you were a Barney kid, weren't you?
2: Brief, uh, yeah, you
0: know, briefly. Yeah,
1: rolled in on that. I think both of my uh, older kids were as well when it when it first started out because they were pretty young at the time. There in the early nineties, so yeah and then went on for a
2: while. I, you know, my niece was into Barney and the Teletubbies when she would come over and stay with yeah. us when she was, you know, 3, 4. And I would just, like, pass by, you know, in the living room, just the tapes running on the VCR, and I'd be like, you know, yeah. do I need to be under the influence to watch this to really get it? Yeah, well, Teletubbies, I mean, you know. <laughs>
1: my youngest was, did used to watch it. He thought it was kind of funny, though. <laughs> I think. I think – uh, my late wife, his his mother, Laurie, dressed him up as I think Poe one year for Halloween. Oh yeah, yeah, the yeah, red I one. Remember, yeah, I remember yeah. you saying that? Yeah, I think she dressed him up as Poe. I don't think it was Tinky Winky. Was That's the purple that, one, right? Yeah, yeah, uh, and Dipsy. Lala and Poe, I believe, are the others, weren't they? Yeah. So I, th- I think she dressed him up as Poe.
2: Uh, I just saw a clip of Jaden Daniels losing his one-on-one fight with the wall. In yeah, the that wasn't there. good.
1: Yeah, that wasn't <clears throat> good. Yeah. And then you see him, like, immediately <laughs> right after he hits it, you see him start to go in and go,
0: yeah. boom. These uh, poor Blazers fans.
2: Sorry, uh, yeah. T-Wolves fans. Yeah. Just years and years. They're almost like the yeah <clears throat> <laughs> They're back in the playoffs this year, both of them. Yeah,
1: it's true. Um, yeah, that's kind of nuts on that. Uh, so anyway, uh, D-Fry says, a grown-ass man dressed up as a Star <laughs> Wars character carrying a quote-unquote weapon going to an anime convention. Obviously, something wrong with that dude I'd call the cops to.
2: You know, you know, any any text that starts with the term grown-ass man, yeah, it, yeah, it's yeah. usually not headed down somewhere. It's gonna be flattering. Complimentary, to somebody, yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah, Uh C B pointed out that there was an incident today in Louisville. I mean, there's lots of that the serious stuff going on. So they're going to be on high alert, especially in the major cities. Yeah, man. When don't be, when they hear about that. Don't be messing around. Don't be toting your fake guns around and you know, that sort of thing. So uh he said, "It's official, Craig. You know everything." But no, no, no. You got to remember when you raise kids in the '90s and 2000s, you're gonna, you're gonna come across it's that. Just like
2: Johnny Cash tried to tell us, Craig. Don't take your guns to town. Leave your guns at home.
1: Yeah, I thought that was no, that no, was Kenny Rogers in the first edition. Ruby, don't take your love to town. Yeah. That's what it was. Um, Ruby, yeah.
2: So, Look, if we can get in the same in the same segment and some sentences apart from each other, referencing Johnny Cash and Kenny Rogers, I think, okay. we've, I think we've had a pretty good broadcast. Day.
1: I, I totally agree with you. Somebody said, "I remember having season tickets to Texas State baseball back when Paul Goldschmidt was playing first base. I did it for the food because I worked at night, <laughs> went to school in the mornings, and then I watched baseball in the afternoons." Says Jimmy the Gringo. So uh, I, did,
2: I didn't need tickets. That student ID, yeah, free. got in
1: to see the great Paul Goldschmidt. Uh-huh. Right? Okay. Uh somebody was pointing I was more of a banana splits and Lance Link the Secret Chip fan uh, yeah Lancelot Link Secret chimp. I remember that Uh
2: that's lo- that might as well be nuclear physics to me Well that was
1: when I was a kid is what we were talking about there okay. That's when I was those came out in the 70s so that was that was a lot uh different Weren't the banana splits in the big mascot suits Yeah they were Yeah you know, yeah, Flegal and all of them. Yeah, it was all of that. So, Craig, uh, would you be
2: distracted if I just came in one day and just yeah. did the show wearing like a banana suit or like uh, a cow costume? Or I something? would
1: be for a time, okay. but I would be entertained. You, by you'd it. get
2: used to it though after a while, like probably sure. by like you know, bottom of hour two, you'd be like, all right, Jeff's wearing a banana suit, big deal. Yeah, it's, yeah,
1: it's part of the deal. Personally, you do that. Yeah, right. um, somebody asking Not are, that I'm planning on it, yeah, you know. um. Are the umpires ever held accountable? For example, in this case, uh, he should have considered player safety above speeding up the game. Same with bad calls in the strike zone. Player misses a game, but umps not held accountable. How about if their calls are reversed? Any accountability? Okay, Uh, it's a couple of different things. First of all, let me go in reverse order on this. Um, Calls being overturned on replay are viewed as a good thing, even by the umpires. They don't like it, uh, but... They want to get it right, and I'll give them credit for that. Um, so they're okay with review on that. Um, and
2: in, in this crew's defense, I thought the reviews in the series, yep. you could tell that the right call was made in the end.
1: I, I agree. I agree. And and that's not always the case. And I will also give a tip of the cap to Longhorn Network because technically, in terms of cameras and, and, and uh, replay angles and things mm-hmm. like that, they're far ahead of some of the other ESPN Plus things that you'll be subjected to.
2: Far ahead of it. It looks like someone's streaming it on an iPhone.
1: Yeah, it's not. I mean, and, and you know, and you know, from you've walked into the baseball, but you've seen where I've had other games on. Yeah, like I had Kansas West Virginia on yesterday. Keeping track with that when KU lost and Texas won, Longhorns moved back in the sole possession of first place in the Big Twelve Conference. Uh, you know uh, that. I had that on. I've had some other games. For for some reason, I think it's because it was early and it was the only game on at the time uh, on Saturday. I flipped on UTA and Utah Tech. You're sick. Uh, no, just just to flip it on, have something God. on there in the booth. Flipped it on. All right, Watch Craig. It.
2: You you can admit you can admit you have a. Remember, football. Texas is playing
1: UTA later this season. So <laughs> true. Yeah, it's a, doing some a- it's a, a- advanced advanced know. scouting. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I flipped it on there, and you know. Uh, sometimes the, the camera angles just aren't as good and all that sort of stuff. So I give them credit uh, for that. Um, uh, somebody said Marty Robbins sang that song. Don't See, take your the, guns to I town. I know the cash
2: version of that song.
1: Yeah. Uh, and, and then uh, to the question about are the umpires held accountable. They are, uh, to an extent. Uh, there is a director of umpires for the Big 12 Conference named Rich Fetchich. Uh, and he is a, he's the director of umpires, and so things are sent in on review and things like that and and there's a national bureau chief as well. So uh, there is an accountability that goes into it, and those guys know that they are being judged because if you miss out on a lot of things, you may not get regional, super regional, and college World Series assignments; those are plum assignments, and you might not get those. In fact, uh, somebody told me that the umpires felt they were a little bit under the gun about this whole uh, action clock, as we know the pitch clock, whatever uh, issue, because they feel if they're not, if they are deemed to not be enforcing it, then that that might cost them a gig and, and and maybe maybe that's a subconscious thing that happens with umpires and maybe even with Jeff Henricks but that was that was unreasonable because you had a player who was injured down the line this wasn't like somebody else said player safety should be should be held above moving the game and if along. they're
2: if they're docked enough then uh, they get boiled in oil and have their fat sold for soap yeah no uh-huh. that that doesn't happen yeah exactly uh-huh.
1: Uh, Stoner says, "If Pierce gets run now, it's antics. If he wins at Omaha, he's colorful or fiery. <laughs> Shout out to Bull Durham, right? Uh, that kind of thing. So, yeah, that's and and." And that's the reason like the, the other guys still continue to go to the well and I'll, I'll I'm okay with you obviously I'm reading your text so I'm okay engaging with you about this I'm not I'm not getting into with the guy who says you missed my point Pierce takes it too far always has it's much bigger in this particular, than this particular issue you missed my point to bring it up to illustrate your point is a fallacy because one has nothing to do with the other in this case. He's arguing in defense of an injured player coming in to talk about it. You're using it to illustrate your point that takes it too far. I don't think he did take it too far. He came down to argue about it. And and uh and Henrik's tossed him for it. but it's okay. I got no problem with you texting me about it. Obviously if it if it really bothered me, I wouldn't even read it. Uh so but I'm going to engage with you about we're going to have the debate about it, whereas I disagree with your point about it. But it's okay, certainly to, to get into it. I, the two are mutually exclusive, and you can and I completely understand. You can have the conversation about Coach Pierce and and getting upset and getting ejected and things like that. Um, but no matter how you feel about sort of that stuff, you can't argue with what the what the program's done when he's been there. It's back to back trips to Omaha, three in the last uh, five years. If you if you're counting the COVID year as part of that as well. They're in first place in the Big 12 conference standings, one-third of the way past after having to replace the guts of that team with 19 new faces on this ball club this year and getting the script flipped on that. So if you're going to point out things like him getting mad and saying going too far, make sure you're balancing it with the other side. That's that's all I'm saying on that. But, you know, I, I, I get when you're talking about some of the other things. Uh, so that's... It's cool, um, and I think. Oh, somebody else said Texas will continue to get the bad calls until this whole SEC thing is over. <laughs> hey, we had to get that one in there, right?
2: Uh, but go- going back to your David Pierce point, Craig, like I, to me, I think you can, you know, for better or worse, the good and the bad. I-, I think you can evaluate coaches based on what happens in the game in terms of you know strategy and uh, you know adjustments and things like that. when, when you start to get into their motives behind various motivational tactics. Now, now you're getting into that kind of gray area. And it, it look, it's it's no different to me like if David Pierce blows up at, you know, an umpire and gets ejected, it's no different than uh Tom Herman's headbutt before the Baylor game, right? If you win, then then it worked and you're a motivational genius. If if you lose and it doesn't work, then it doesn't work and you're an idiot. Yeah. And it's just, so why did you do it? Well, then... You're going to get clowned on for yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. one of those deals.
1: So. Yeah. Yeah. It, it all depends on what the end result is going to be. It's not
2: quite a damned if you do damned if you don't thing, but, I mean... It's it, in the neighborhood. Yeah.
1: Uh, uh, Longhorn and Lubbock says, Big 12 football officials, any repercussions to their
2: integrity? Lord, there should be.
1: Yeah. And, and again... That's the one I can... T- is, man. Here's here's the thing that I that I always get, and... and if he's comfortable with this, I'm going to get Mac Brown to tell this story. Uh, this,
2: in- I think he would because Mac is venturing into the category of he don't have very many you-know-what's
1: left yeah. to give. In July, um, uh, I'll be, you know, uh, emceeing uh, some functions as I – always do every year for the Texas High School Coaches Association at their annual coaching convention in San Antonio. And there's a Division One coaches panel discussion, which is really cool. We always have a lot of fun with that, and, and Jeff uh, uh, comes out for that, and then uh, we usually visit with Sark after to do that. Got a, so then,
2: got a couple of noobs on the panel. Did yeah. DJ Kenny, Eric Morris.
1: Yeah, so um, which always makes it interesting. So so there's that. Uh, I do a thing. I MC a thing called – uh, the um, the coaching academy where they have a lot of different speakers in various fields of education, and athletics, speak to these guys because there's there's far more assistant coaches out in that stand in, in the yeah. audience than there are head coaches. So if you've got 500 people in the room, you might have 100 head coaches and and 400 assistants, mm-hmm. or even even a larger disparity. And uh, so they do that, which is a very useful tool. Another thing I MC is their Hall of Honor uh banquet the night before but then they've added something else this year
2: <coughs> they um it's in Houston this year right i was thinking it's back in san antonio is it back in san antonio yeah yeah, yeah but, but but in we'll any case wherever it is
1: yeah you know, either at san antonio you will be there yeah um they've asked mac brown to address the convention oh and mac said i'd be happy to do it and he goes tell the truth if, if he goes I don't really feel that much like giving a big speech. He goes, can't you just ask Craig and I just to sit up there and <laughs> chat it up and take questions and do that? So that's what we're going to do. And and we'll have a lot of fun uh, awesome. doing that, and we'll uh, talk over that. So maybe I'll have him tell this story if he's comfortable with it. Uh, but I've told this story on the air before. When Mac was coaching Texas, and Will Muschamp was the defensive coordinator, they would routinely send in, you're allowed to send in tw- up to 12 plays, at least you were back then, up to 12 plays that you disagreed with the officials uh, into the conference office. Walt Anderson was the supervisor of officials back then. It's now Greg Burks. Mm-hmm. And and they would examine those calls that the coach Felt that the officials missed or did not properly officiate, didn't administer. And uh, Mack had said, every team in the league sends in multiple plays every week from every game. It just, it's a matter of course. Mm-hmm. And he said, we were, we were right there with them. We'd send in 10, 12 plays a week, whatever. And uh Mustamp would be really upset about it. most of them were calls against the defense or whatever, and he
2: was really upset <laughs> and he, uh, he coach mustamp getting upset and no. how about that uh by the way I, there will be no will Muschamp slander on this show as long as I'm a part of there it. there you go
1: yeah. and and he would talk about how you know of course he had worked in the s e c and he said it was. It was a much better officiated game in the SEC. Of course, when he got over there as a head coach, that might have changed. Still in it the SEC, and still as an assistant, back as an assistant again, it might change again. But uh, they would talk about this, and and Mac said every time there'd be a follow up conversation where the head coach can visit with Walt could visit with Walt Anderson. Now Walt Anderson isn't the supervisor anymore. he gone on to the NFL and done this thing. Um, but Mac told me years ago that one. 100% of the time. Never any deviation from it. Every single time, Walt Anderson would never admit to his officials missing a call. Ever. Ever. It would always be something like, well, I can see how you might see it that way, but blah, 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 blah. It, every single time, some accents, you, you're telling me your guys never, ever miss a call. He goes, well, I'm saying of oh, the ones you've submitted, they didn't miss those. So I could see where you might might feel that way, but we look at it differently, that kind of thing.
2: When I heard that's the message that got back to Charlie Strong after the 2015 Oklahoma State game at that point, I'm like, you know what, I've officially lost all hope in this conference yeah. producing competent officiating crews.
1: Now, now I will tell you this. To their credit, in, um, I don't know about women's basketball, but in men's basketball and in baseball, the supervisor of officials and umpires have said, yeah, our guy kicked it. Is still he Curtis it. Shaw
2: for basketball? Uh huh.
1: Okay. Uh huh. And would say, "Yep, our guy missed the call. He missed it." They, would, they and Max said after a certain point, you just want him one time to say, <laughs> "You know what? You're right. Our guy didn't have it right." He said, "I'm not looking for the guy to get punished. I just want uh, you know some affirmation about yeah,
2: you're right for for what The guy worked. missed it after the Oklahoma State game. I talked to somebody who at the time was a, a Big Twelve official and, and knew Walt Anderson and. I went I went down those plays with him and he's like, Well, you know, the there was the Marcus Johnson, the forward the illegal forward pass and the Vi holding and we're getting through some of these and he's like well, And
1: by the way, somebody just texted and said Did he send in the yeah. entire Oklahoma State game? And we're getting
2: through there and, and he's kinda of giving me the same deal, you can see how big I can see blah 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 and so we get to the defensive holding and he and he's like, Yeah, I got nothing for you there. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: To say nothing of the penalty that ensued for the yeah. bump along the sidelines. Defensive lines, right?
2: holding on a run play.
1: <laughs> yeah. I've
2: only seen it about two or three times in my uh, life.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: I feel like I'm I'm at defensive holding on a run play where like Brad Nessler is with a one point safety. Yeah. Because Brad Nessler's called two games with a one point safety. I think it's like the only two games maybe ever with a one point safety in college football. Yeah. The 0-4 Texas, yeah. Texas A&M Absolutely. game Absolutely. And then Kansas State and Oregon played a fiesta bowl. I'd say that was the twenty twelve season. Yeah, they're one point safety, and I forget who his color guy was. We said, Brad, have you ever seen a one point safety? He's like, Why? Yes, I have. I have seen a one point. safety As a matter before. of fact, I have.
1: Yeah, yeah. And um, and uh, at the time when we did it, uh, Keith Moreland was very aware of it at mm-hmm. the time and said, He said, you know what that is. When we went back in the, I said that I I said it's a safety before I could even get to the other point. He said that's a one point safety, which makes sense the way it's. Yeah. He administered about that. So – yeah, the one-point the one save. It basically works the same as an extra point. On, on, on
2: <laughs> well, the, the funny part about that is, like, if you watch the TV copy, Lynn Swan's trying to tell this Tony Jeffrey story that really has no bearing on anything going on. Yeah, yeah. And he keeps talking over Brad Nessler and Bob Greasy, and Greasy's losing his mind. He's like, how is it a one-point safety? And you, Brad Nestler's just trying to play traffic cop and calm everything down so they can get an explanation. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. good stuff. I, I don't imagine you and Keith had that much commotion in the, no, in the
1: radio booth. no, no. Yeah. So, somebody said about the new assistant coach Frank Haith added to Rodney Terry's staff. Did someone leave? It's basically to enable Chris Ogden to return to the administrative role, yep. which is what his desire was to do that. So, it creates a vacancy on that. Um,
2: Still haven't seen anything official on Frank Haith yet, but it's. You know. Okay.
1: All right. So, Jeff, uh, before we get to the break, someone wanting to know how about your thoughts on the newest episode of A&E's WWE Legends, Dusty Rhodes from last night? If you didn't watch. They highly recommend it.
2: Yeah, I haven't watched it yet because I got sucked into watching that new Avatar movie. The wife put it on, and I'm yeah. like, well, I'll just write this baseball column. And at some point, I was like, well, I'm pot committed. I'm like, you know, an hour and a half into this. And we put Charlotte to bed at one point, and she pauses it. And I'm like, how long is this movie? She's like, oh, it's about a little over three hours. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, yeah. I an intermission during this deal to, like, stretch my legs or something.
1: <laughs> what, what was your end-up review uh, on that?
2: I, here's my thing with the Avatar movies. I don't know what it's supposed to make me feel or what I'm supposed to reevaluate in my life. They're good, but it's just like there's a, just a lot of hidden themes in there that I got Are you go, supposed to reevaluate your life? I guess. No, I don't know. No. It's... James Cameron's awful proud of his stuff, I'll yeah. say that much. Yeah. And he yeah.
1: wants you to be proud of it.
2: Well, he did Terminator 2, so, I mean, she, as long as he's got that on his resume, we're good. Which is nice.
1: <laughs> All right. Uh, we'll have a long more Notebook coming up next when we continue with Light the Tower on the Horn, 1049 1019, AM 1260. We're live, local, and digital on the Horn app at NHORNFM.com.
0: Craig Webb and Jeff Howe, Light the Tower.
1: This is Life the Tower on the Horn. Craig Wade, Jeff Howe with you. We do have another Longhorn Notebook just around the corner, but right now it's time for a Flex 30 Update.
0: Flex ATX, for the best high school sports coverage. Listen to the horn and go to flxatx.com. Flex 30 is brought to you by Brain Vault. Brain Vault is a revolutionary and patented mouth guard that has been proven to help reduce the risk of concussion. Visit brainvault.com and join the movement.
1: Okay, congratulations to all the teams that have advanced to the UIL Boys and Girls State Soccer Tournament. That'll take place at Berkabach Stadium in Georgetown this week. And that includes area teams as well. So here's the schedule for it. Of course, you know, in boys and girls soccer, there's three classifications, 4A, 5A, and 6A, who, who play soccer. So this will start on Wednesday. The 4A girls semifinals begin 11 o'clock in the morning. Celina against Bernie. And then at one thirty it's Stevenville against Lumberton. That's on the girls' side. Then the 4A boys semifinals begin At 4 o'clock, Palestine against Lumberton and San Ilazario. San Eli out there by El Paso against Hidalgo Early College. That's on Wednesday. Now Thursday. This coming Thursday, 5A girls semifinals. Smithson Valley against Grapevine at 9.30 in the morning. And at high noon, how about Georgetown playing on their home field in the final four? The Eagles against Frisco. Unbeaten. Georgetown Eagles by the way, Lady Eagles, 25-0-4 on that. Uh, that state championship game will be at 2.30 on Saturday the uh, uh, for 5A. And then um, that's actually the 4A one. And then uh, that that will actually take place on Thursday as well. And then 5A boys semifinals on Thursday, 5 o'clock, El Paso Bel Air against Sherry Land from Mission down in the Valley. 7.30, Frisco Lone Star against the Connelly Cougars. Congratulations. Uh, 23, 2, and 4 is Connolly going into that. Then on Friday, the girls 6A semifinals start 9 30 in the morning, unbeaten Wiley East against unbeaten Fort Bend Ridge Point. Ridge Point has five ties. Wiley East is 28-0. At noon in the girls' semifinals in 6A, you got Marcus High, Flower Mound, taking on the Westwood Warriors. Congratulations to Westwood making it the state. 13, 4, and 8. And the Warriors will be in the semifinals. Then they'll have the 4A Boys final that afternoon at 2.30. And then at 5 o'clock, the 6A Boys semifinals, 7 Lakes from Katie against Saxey, 7.30, Allen and Drip. Dripping Springs at 14, 11, and 2. And uh, got into the state championship. So congratulations to uh, all the area teams in specific, but certainly all the teams that have advanced to the UIL state tournament. The uh, state championship games, by the way, on Saturday, 11 o'clock in the morning is the 5A girls final. One thirty, the 5A boys final. 4 o'clock, the girls 6A final. And at 6.30 Saturday evening, the 6A boys state championship. All right, there it is, your uh, Flex 30 update. Time now to get to
2: our
0: Longhorn Notebook for this hour. Jeff Howe's Longhorn Notebook.
2: All right, just going to reiterate some stuff because I've, I've yep. seen some stuff come through in the Specs text line. People want to know has Roddy Terry lost anybody off his staff? What's that looking like? And I know, Craig, you just reiterated it last segment talking about the Frank Haith news. The only staff member, to my knowledge, that is not going to be back is John Riley, the strength coach. I confirmed that over the weekend. He's no longer with the program. All expectations are he's going to join Chris Beard at Ole Miss, and that would make sense. John Riley's been with Chris Beard since uh, his first year at Texas Tech and then came with him to Texas, so that would make sense. But as, as far as I know, Bob Donawall Jr., Steve McClain, Chris Ogden, Brandon chapel everybody that was on the staff last year in those primary roles is going to be back. The chance for Frank Haith to join the staff comes with Chris Ogden stepping back into an off-court role. Let's talk about the roster, Craig. We mm-hmm. talked first last hour about Rowan Brumbaugh going into the transfer portal. Speaking of the portal, confirmed last night that Texas is going to host one of their top uh, priority targets in the transfer portal for an official visit on April 18th. That being Caden Shedrick, the big man from Virginia, played Mm -hmm. really well for Virginia, Uh, took a visit to Duke this weekend. Credit the staff, Craig, for, for making this thing come together pretty quick. I was told they had a Zoom with him late last week. We're hoping to get him locked in for a visit. They got it locked in coming off of his visit to Duke, so at least you're giving yourself a chance. You've heard a lot of guys being linked to Texas in the transfer portal, and Texas has reached out to a lot of guys. But I think if you look at the guys that they ideally really want, there's three names that really jump out. I think if this staff got, they would just be over the moon to get these guys. Caden Shedrick obviously is one of them because you need a big Mm-hmm. If you lose Dylan to Sue, you, you need two. But at the very least, you need to add one to replace what you're going to miss with Christian Bishop. Uh, we mentioned last week they had an in-home visit Rodney Terry did with uh, Reese Waters Dixon, the uh, the uh, guard from USC, 6'5 guard from USC. Uh, Texas is really uh, in on him. And a guy that you know, college basketball fans, I think, in this part of the country should be. Real familiar with the Reese Dixon Waters. I don't know if I, if I apologize if I messed the name up. It's Reese Dixon Waters from, from USC. Mm-hmm. Uh, Max Abmus from, uh, from Oral Roberts. Yeah. A big time player for them. Uh, you know, was kind of the darling of the NCAA tournament when they made that run a couple of years sure. ago. Uh I've heard Texas is getting ready. They are now currently going after him very hard. And we know we talked about it with the Rowan Brumbaugh situation. They need to add guards. You lose Jabari Rice, you are losing Marcus Carr, uh, you're, you're optimistic, I think, at this point about Artario Morris and Tyrese, Tyrese Hunter coming back. Uh, A.J. Johnson, you'll bring him into the fold, but I think at the very least you'd like to add another guard to that mix. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially, I, I looked at this, Craig, over the weekend, because you now is the time where I'm really going to go back and start looking at stats, because when you're in the thick of it, it's everything's going 100 miles an hour, you don't really have time to. But this was in relation to playing time. Uh, the minutes for Marcus Carr, Tyrese Hunter, and Jabari Rice last year. Marcus Carr led you for Texas at 30, 33.9, so basically 34 minutes a game. Tyrese Hunter was at 30.3. Jabari Rice was at 25.3. So mm-hmm. Those guys ranked first, second, and fourth on your team in minutes played. Timmy Allen played, I think, twenty like 27, 28 minutes a game. Uh, so your guards, your three primary guards are going to play a lot. Uh, you know, down, what does where does Arterio Morris factor into that? AJ Johnson's going to get some minutes. So, uh, if you're a proven commodity as a guard in college basketball, you come to Texas, you're going to have an opportunity to play significant minutes for this team right at the gate. So they've had they've been linked to a lot of different portal guards, but I think Max Max Adams from Oral Roberts is is the guy that I think probably at the top of their board right now in terms of the guys they're interested in. Makes sense. Uh, I mentioned Arterio Morris, Dylan Mitchell also with a decision to make in terms, and, and I wouldn't be surprised if, when you talk about Mitchell and Morris, if one or both of them did the deal Tyrese Hunter is doing, where you put your name in for the draft and you go through the process, but you maintain your eligibility, and then if you don't like what you hear, you can come back and. No harm, no foul. That hasn't happened yet. I do think the the key dates to remember here, there's two key dates to remember. April 23rd is one of those dates. That is the deadline for the early entry. The early entry deadline for the NBA draft is April 23rd. May 11th is when the transfer portal window closes. So if you're a Texas fan, you're looking for those NBA decisions to come in by the 23rd. And the next day you're holding your breath for is May 11th when the transfer portal window closes because at that point, pretty much whoever you've got that's what your roster is going to look like. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. And and that's that's why this the work is going on diligent. I know somebody had asked last week said, "Are they doing anything?" What are they? Doing? They're doing. <laughs> they're, yeah. They're they're hard at it. Uh, between the invites that they've had uh, and and their perusal of the portal, that was one thing uh, when Roddy. Uh, sat down with me right after the news conference, and we talked about it. And I talked about staff uh, retention, and he said, "Well, I, you know, I, I would hope and expect to all be back." He said, "After all, we're we're all headlong into the portal mm-hmm. right now, so they were all working it at that time, even before it was official that he was named
2: the head coach." And you got to remember too, by making the run that they did to the Elite Eight, they're about a week and a half, two weeks behind teams that didn't get that far yeah. in terms of getting stuffed on which, done in which the is
1: the, the unfortunate byproduct of that but you'll take that right, right. every time they have yeah, an you're opportunity not but, yeah but it is but it is uh, but it is the truth that you can't get started on that when you're still preparing a team to play in the Sweet 16 and the
2: Elite Eight. No, but it's, it's worth mentioning too, Craig. I mean, coaches will tell you, "Yeah, we're going to work until we're told not to." But come on, when you when you don't know if you're going to have a job in the next 48 hours or whenever the season's over, it's, it's hard to it's hard to figure out exactly what you're doing. So things are coming together. Uh, they've done a really good job, I think, of reaching out to people. But you got to understand, there's so many moving parts with Roddy Terry. You've had to fill this assistant coaching vacancy. You're going to have to hire a strength coach. You've got your support staff. That that you've got to fill out. And uh, I mean, those those people, they're not the highest paid employees on your on your staff. But those are people that need those jobs. They've got to know kind of what their futures are. Uh, so you've got that to deal with. You've got to re-recruit your, your players that have NBA options or maybe, you know, in the NIL world might be getting convinced to, to test the transfer portal. You've got to re-recruit your roster, figure out who's coming back, who do you want back? And then you've got to figure out, OK, are your two signees are they in the boat which uh, at this point it sounds like they are but you got to evaluate that and then you got to go figure okay how many spots do we have to take guys out of the portal uh, who's a good fit for us and you basically you've got to do this it's it's a crash course you don't have a lot of time to do your due diligence and figure everything out so there's just there's a ton of moving parts uh, a lot of fingers and a lot of pots for Rodney Terry but that's those three guys I just gave you uh with Caden Shedrick uh you know, sticks and waters and then uh and then max Amos those are the three guys I think right now that uh that are probably I don't want to say at the top of their list or they three top guys, but those are three guys that I think they would love to have out of the transfer portal when the dust settles
1: yeah um uh, someone saying with Texas ability to pay and limit in Nil deals they should never lose a recruit first first of all <laughs> education on this. There, cowboy <laughs> hold on first of all. There, there is no real thing such as unlimited NIL deals, okay? Understand that. Also, it's a completely different arm that's handling NIL from that.
2: It's not like <laughs> CDC is ready to hand you a stack of Benjamins when you it walk through the door.
1: It doesn't work like that. And a lot of guys, and Tyrese Hunter was very, very adamant about the saying this. He said, if I wanted to go somewhere for... NIL money. I could have gone somewhere else for NIL money and uh, that sort of thing. He said it was the opportunity to play with a specific group with a specific team. I know the NIL thing is an important consideration, especially for families, but it's not the only one, and in many cases, it's not even the primary consideration. Mm -hmm. It is part of it.
2: Oh, for sure. No doubt. It is part of it. You know where Tyrese almost went? I think I told you this. I didn't know this until he told me earlier this year. He almost went to Tennessee. Like, That's right. I heard him link to Louisville and Kansas and a couple other schools, but he's like, no, I almost went to Tennessee. He said, he took, you know, went there. He said, loved Rick Barnes. Yeah. Loved the program, but he's, I don't know. He, he it's, it's fun talking to Tyrese. He's always had this fascination with like wanting to live in Texas and just been, just had this curiosity about Texas. So,
1: and Marcus Carr with an assist on that.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. For sure.
1: He definitely, definitely helped that out, So, yeah. There it is uh, on some of that. So it, it has to. Somebody said, "Any chance they look at Musa Sissay in the portal?"
2: Uh, may you know maybe. Uh, I, I think I think they're really going to f- try to vet this Caden Shedrick thing as much as possible. And look, they've reached out to some other bigs. Uh, but you know, Musa Sissay just went into the portal yesterday. So yeah, or he announced he's going into the portal yesterday. You got to wait until. He's actually in the portal before yeah. you can contact him. And, and here's the deal, too, that I don't, I don't know if people understand this. Some guys will go into the portal, and they'll have a do not contact tag Yep. when they go into the portal, which probably means they already know where they're going. Yeah, so, they want to
1: look at or contact on their own. They don't want to yeah. have it be like open season recruiting right. again. And there are some guys that do that.
2: Uh, J-Dub, real quick, any guesses on replacements for strength coach? No, but here's what I'd do if I was Rodney Terry, my where my first call would be. Yeah. I would call Todd Wright and just get a list of names. Yeah, guys that he's worked with or guys that he knows. That's that would be my first point of contact. Would be Todd Wright, who by the way is with the Clippers now. In case anybody. That's knows. right. Yeah, yeah. That's, maybe, that's, maybe the best strength coach in all of basketball.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's that's certainly possible. Uh, by the way, you know, he said, "Tell Ty Harrington to be careful when he says that was a full shift." My eighty-six year old mother thought he said. Something else, of BS <laughs> that happened yesterday. That's like that uh, that that great commercial, that oh, great commercial microphone on accident that UPS had about he shipped his pants. Mm-hmm. Did I ship my pants? Did you ship your pants? You know, but you, but you say it quickly. You know, he shipped his pants. He what? He shipped them. S h i p p e d. He shipped his pants. So you know that's you know that's. just have to be be mindful of it. At some
2: point here pretty soon, because I got reminded of this when I was having dinner with some media colleagues in Des Moines, we need to dissect the uh, audio of then-president Lyndon Baines Johnson calling the Hager Company to order some pants. Yeah. Have you ever ever listened to that?
1: I've heard about it. I've never heard it.
2: Oh, you never heard
1: it? i never heard it, but I've heard about
2: it. That's got to be on the docket. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, It's got to be on the docket for this week at some point. Not today, because we're out of time for today.
1: We'll be back to wrap up today's edition of the Tower on the Horn
0: luck the Tower.
1: Okay, that's going to end it. We're over time for it. So thanks to happy Jack Farrell, our producer. Uh, we might just stay tuned because up next is Chad and Zay. We'll be back with you tomorrow morning. We'll recap tonight's game uh, in San Marcos. And thanks to everybody for the uh, uh, suggestions there in San Marcos. And the game's at 5.45, airtime, 6 o'clock, first pitch, Texas. and Texas State will recap that one, get you ready for the game at UFC Udishvar Field tomorrow night. We'll do that. For all of us, I'm Craig Ray. Thanks for joining us. Stay tuned. Chad Zay up next. We'll visit with you tomorrow morning, 10 o'clock on Light the Tower.